Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out to practice. With your hosts, Keith Barney. And Mike Indeglio. Hey! Way back in high school, most every Keep focusing. Night, Keep focusing. My mom watched QVC, so I'm not getting any more attractive. There was no TiVo. What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Mike likes to be in focus. I'd prefer to be off camera. The internet has been blessed with more Mike and Keith! <laughs> and welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast that talks about David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. Uh, we're about to talk about Season 6, Episode 8, Dangerous Liaisons. Uh, we were gonna uh, podcast this the night it came out, but we were 20 years late. That's How's true. it going, Mike? Everything is going well. Uh, Jen has flown the coop. She is rehearsing, so I am living that bachelor life. Ooh. Which really just entails ordering food and Loneliness. watching uh, Son of Sam's on Netflix and scaring myself uh, to not wanting to go into the bedroom by my, my lonesome. Fair enough, fair enough. Like, you know, when the cat's away, the mice will be scared by Netflix documentaries and wish you were back. I had like a whole mental conversation with myself, too. I was like, Mike, you know that there are no serial killers in the other room. You're well aware. <laughs> you're a grown man. You should have. You should not be afraid to walk into the bedroom. But uh-huh. that was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am, want to start this episode uh, with two things that I'm going to compliment my co-host, Mike Indeglio, on. Oh, crap. Look out. Uh, first off, uh, I went back and I looked at the Easter egg reveal uh, for the Egon RGB reveal, and I wrote down that it was good. I don't even remember what it was now, but I remember uh, it was really good. <laughs> I believe it was Egon transferring into his pop figure. I don't know. I, I just fuck around. It was it was great. So congratulations on that. But <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you did it. Way after all these episodes. <laughs> and all right. So the other part, which we mentioned last week, uh, but uh, last Friday, Jillian and I watched Mike host. It was the pilot, right? Uh, yeah. No, it was like the second run. The Ostensibly, second run. Yes. The first time we did of- it with people. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, th- that's the pilot. Yeah. You did it like a, a practice. That's the dress rehearsal. This was the pilot. Fair, fair, fair. fair. Uh, of a new show called House Hunting, in which Mike is the host of a live game show. And uh, I- I'm-, I'm so impressed. You are really incredibly well suited to that task uh, because you have to be quick on your feet. You have to talk fast. You have to be like charming and funny and you have to look good on camera and you did several of those things so (laughs) look out lavar burton 
I'm coming for you. <laughs> no, but, uh, but you know, both Jillian and I were so impressed. It's a really fun uh, show. And uh, we definitely, the, the concept of the show, and you should really be pitching this, not me, but you, you are searching for items within your own house. Mm-hmm. You get a certain amount of points if you find like a red shoe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you first, first off it starts literal and then it gets sort of esoteric and it was very funny. And of course I played along and had a whole bunch of uh, Yeah, you bu- were texting me examples. your ideas on, on the side and... Part of the thing is when you're doing it on the internet, the this kind of Zoom universe, I try to watch the chat as well so I can sort of incorporate those watching at home, what they're saying in the chat. Sure, the, sure. That is a little bit more challenging. However, uh, so I also had my phone over here and I saw your text coming through and it was it was uh, appreciated and also very Super distracting. distracting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured you would be a professional and turn off your damn phone when no, you're like no, no. broadcasting live. He probably uh, assumed I was wearing some sort of pant. Oh, I certainly did not. Uh, <laughs> and of course, one item was supposed to represent regret, and it was the uh, I, I pulled out the score to the show we made out in. So there you go. Which we still can't say on the internet, and you can we say s- anything on the internet. We certainly should not say that <laughs> on the internet. Uh, <sighs> Anyway, speaking of the internet, yes, should we should we start? Oh, with should we do the it? Thing, yeah. Okay. Well, th- this is a very exciting episode of our loudest segment. Okay, so we teed this up a little bit uh, last week or the week before, but uh, you know what the internet has not been clamoring for. What the internet has not been asking for, begging for, beating down our door. And uh, But we're going to give it to you anyway. And that is more of us. Mm-hmm. More of Mike and Keith talking about nonsense from 20, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, we are starting a new YouTube show. It's a video show. It will not be a podcast. It is a video show uh, entitled... Look at my Star Trek toys, in which we are going to review my uh, enormous collection of Star Trek action figures. We're uh, super excited about it. We, we have the t- first two episodes in the can now. They will be released by the time you see this. So uh, on this YouTube channel, which is now expanded... Uh, I was going to say metastasize, but that's just Jillian keeps telling me not to say that. Uh, <laughs> she's she's uh, as usual. She is right, as always. She is right. But now this YouTube channel will be KME Keith and Mike Entertainment, which will now include the new series. Look at my Star Trek toys. And now, those of you who are worried we that we're gonna, first of all, the I only agreed to do it. If Keith agreed that we had to make it ridiculous, and so it is, uh, it is that it is. Have ridiculous. we ever done anything that isn't? That's true. It, yeah, it, it's definitely on brand. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Does this mean, Keith and Mike, that you won't be doing the Quantum Leap podcast? You won't be doing other things? No. In fact, this only this only gives us the umbrella in which to do these things one thing at a time. We're hyper focused on the Star Two Trek toys. At a time. Will there be other toys? Maybe. Will there? <laughs> I, 
I'm trying to like, I can't, I'm soft committing to a lot of things. Who knows? Is really what, where I'm going with this. Who knows? But it is fun. I can't believe how much fun we had. We're keeping them to 30 minutes. We thought they'd be 10 minutes. Five, actually, was the original We're going to go like five to 10 minutes. And so the pilot episode, we we were going to do like the first 11 action figures. And uh, so you text me halfway through. We got through six of them. And you're like, we're at the 30-minute mark? Yeah, we <laughs> like, should maybe like We can't help this. ourselves. Yeah. But oh, coming up, yeah. uh, episode four, here it comes. So look out. Uh, I guess while we're here, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've been watching. Well, the Acad- did you watch the Academy Awards by any chance? I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was that. That was a great segment, guys. <laughs> no, I, I did watch a, another movie called The Kid Detective, which is on is uh, VOD right now, which is a pretty cool movie. It's sort of about uh, it's as. This is a, a weird pitch, but remember Encyclopedia Brown? It's basically what happens sure. if Encyclopedia Brown grew up and still had the idea of like what that old school penny arcade America was faced right. with the new reality of what where we live. It, it's it's a it's a cool watch. You should oh, check that's it interesting. out. Yeah, you should check it out. And of course, like I just mentioned, I, I started the first episode of Sons of Sam, which is a a look at uh, David Berkowitz. And hmm. an alternate theory of whether whether or not he acted alone. So uh, first first Ooh, episode in, it's it's pretty cool. And uh, uh, make sure your uh, spouse and or significant other are are with you. Apparently, yeah, it, it, you know, it was, it was spooky. And there's a couple of other like uh, I want to I do want to have a conversation at some point about uh, this video game I played, but now is not the time. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's it uh, for more TV. All right. Well, let's move right along into... Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Okay. Well, we heard on the Instagram from the Practice TV account Hmm. uh, talking about, I don't know, one of the episodes... (laughs) I don't remember what they It's are been a while. Them. We were ahead for a while, and now we are no longer ahead. We are no longer ahead. Because we had to play with Star Trek toys. <laughs> it's definitely because we had to play with Star Trek toys. No, uh, he was talking about Honor Code and said that was the best episode ever, which, of course, if you remember, that was a really fun one where where uh, uh, Eugene outed Jimmy for telling the parents about the uh, the medical condition. Uh, that was a great episode. That was the last one we did, actually. That was 607. Was that 607? Yeah. Because no. that's when... No, yeah. that's 606, because Suffer the Little Children was last week. Yeah, but isn't... No, there's two, because they had it. The one where they had a sandwich, and then the next one... They didn't have a sandwich, and he was mad again. They brought Jimmy to the bar. That was Suffer the Little Children, right? Oh, right. That was. Okay, then it wasn't that. <laughs> it was, when I know, I'm right, I know it was when I'm code. right, we have an issue. Oh, man. We're off to an excellent start. Hey, did you, any, did you watch the Oscars? <laughs> I did start them. And I was like, hell no, oh yeah. But I love how you like you teed it up. <laughs> like we were like you had a big opinion on it, but you're just like, no. 
Well, I can tell you something that uh, one of our good friends and moderators did watch. Uh, we have a lot of we we have a couple filings today about things that people have watched that aren't the practice. Uh, so Phoenix, our moderator Phoenix Cage says the Langoliers. Mm. That's where I knew her from, and uh, of course talking about. Um, hold on, I really should tee these things up so that I don't just you know get lost halfway through a sentence. Uh, talking about Patricia Wedding. Says, the Langoliers, that's where I knew her from. Yeah, like you said, I saw it multiple times in the 90s and even recorded it. I did too. I had it on a VHS. That's how I watched it multiple times. Uh, but Keith, I'm going to argue that it wasn't as terrible as you say. First, it had a novel premise of people being stuck outside of time and finding out what happens to the past. 100% agreed. Really cool setup. Second, it had at least a few good actors like Mark Lindsay Chapman, David Morse, who I know better as Detective Tritter on House, Frankie Faison, who was the commissioner on The Wire, and of course, Dean Stockwell, who we all remember as the focus of your next podcast. We all remember the future. I like it. Okay, uh, sure. It also had Bronson Pinchot as a wildly unhinged character. Balky. But given the Balky. But given the circumstances, it would have been weird if it's someone wasn't having an existential crisis. And third, it's sci-fi. There are almost no horror movies that I like, but almost all of them are also sci-fi. And this made its way onto the bottom of that short list. Uh, yes, I mean, I I think the premise was... Did, Mike, did you see it? Yeah. I thought the premise was so cool and so interesting. And then it just sort of petered out... And, like, the writing wasn't good. The acting, you know, th there's some good actors in there. But on the whole, there were some not great moments there. And what really killed it was, like, the horrible CGI monsters eating time at the end. It was, even at the time, that CGI was like, oh, that's embarrassing. So, I don't know. Those are my feelings. What were your feelings on the Langoliers? Mm, about the same as the Oscars. <laughs> You watched the first ten minutes, then yeah, got bored and, and asked me what I thought. For me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we also yeah, adaptations last... are tough, man. They're not always great. Sometimes, sometimes they're okay. Well, Stephen King is particularly hard to adapt because he sometimes goes deep into the esoteric, mm. as well as like his the. The stories that he sets in the real world uh, are a lot easier to adapt because he has all these universal themes of, you know, nostalgia and being bullied and, and feeling like an outsider. But his horror stuff is, I mean, I'm a huge fan, but sometimes like at the end of It, the, the actual end of It is unfilmable. They tried to do a little bit better on the second movie, but you can't really because you're like zooming through space and time, talk, biting the tongue of a turtle. Like, how do you show that on screen? Anyway, blah, well, blah, some, blah. I'll, I'll tell you what does transfer well, and it does actually uh, speak to the podcast, so it's somewhat on topic, is okay. his some of King's hard-boiled detective stuff. Like, he just released a new book called... Later, which is a uh, a pulp a, a pulpy detective story about this kid who can see dead people, fits into his universe, and then prior to that he did one called Joyland, which I recommended, which is sort of a 
a mystery. But then prior to that, he did a three novel run of uh, Mr. Mercedes. Mr. Mercedes, the, yes. Yeah, which they've adapted on Hulu, and I watched the pilot. Peacock. Is it Peacock? Peacock? You sure? I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I watched the first, like, eight episodes. Okay. Maybe it was on Hulu. Well, regardless, it's Hulu or Peacock. Take Keith's word for it. Peacock. I watched the first one, and I enjoyed it. I really liked the books. Then the third one got away from them a little bit. But uh, so far, so good on the show. Yeah. Well, with Holland Taylor, too. As an amazing, uh, basically, Kittleson again. And, and, and a David E. Kelly series. All right. Oh, <clears throat> I did moving. not know David E. Kelly was working that series. Yeah, he's the showrunner and lead writer. Jeez, Mike. You really, really had a great segue there and just you just blew it. I mean, and not to be a podcast doctor, but we discussed it on air like three weeks ago. Let's move forward. <laughs> I've been very busy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of things that we can watch, our good friend and founding sponsor, Jorge Navoa. Chimed yes. in on last week's episode, Suffer the Little Children. He said, Keith, I would I be wrong in assuming by uh, by the way that you read writer James D. Solomon's directorial debut and Mike, by your not reacting to it, that you guys have not seen the Netflix documentary The Witness. If not, I strongly urge you all to watch it. Because you already know the story of Kitty Genovese and the bystander effect. You just don't know. The real story. Uh, and I, you are right, Jorge, I have not seen it. It is now on my list, of course. I've had it on my Netflix queue for quite a while, uh, but hadn't actually watched it. And I wanted to, here's the bummer. It left Netflix. So now oh, you can only watch it by paying the four bucks on YouTube or whatever it is on Amazon. It's not on Prime. You have to pay for it now. So really, uh, it's not, you know, it's only five bucks. It's a recommend from a founding sponsor, so I think that uh, the, yeah, yeah. we should watch it, is what I'm saying. Well, you just have to figure out, is it is it available on Netflix and anywhere else in the world? Well, you want to start, uh, you want a VPN back? I mean, it's $5, <laughs> Keith, Jesus. We make a lot of money off the podcast. We can afford to... We we have, we have, we have, be, yeah, yes, it, it is true. Some this would say it's a nest been. egg. Some would say it's a nest egg. Some it's a very small Robin's this, nest egg. The, clearly, the pathway to fame and fortune. I mean, but if this doesn't do it, our uh, YouTube show about my old action figures certainly will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you uh, saying? Are you at home screaming? But Mike, you keep talking the, about the fact you're not a Star Trek guy. <laughs> That's true. I'm still co-hosting a podcast because Keith couldn't get anyone else to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, same could be said about the practice. That's fair. That's Because you don't know anything about it. Well, you didn't. Now you're a huge practice nerd. That's true. But when we started this, you'd never seen an episode. Is that a, is that all we got for uh, Filing Sense Penis, by any chance? That's all we got for Filing Sense Penis. We didn't talk about your cat yet, Keith. Is the internet going to survive? Oh. Oh, okay. Well, then let's, uh, let's, let's do this when I can find... There we go. We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We failed! It's time to give the world what it was. Meow, meow! Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. God damn, that's, that's the best one now. My new fave. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think you're just bored of all the others. Yeah, maybe. Eh, it's possible. So, uh, you, you want an update on Charlie? I do. I want to know how Charlie's doing. Okay, well, Charlie's doing great. He's sitting directly above me in his room. Uh, now, here's here's the thing going on with Charlie that we have a we're just beginning to have to uh, consider, and that is he's starting to take after his dad a little bit. See, when okay. we got him, he playing was, with toys. It, <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, he he was he was. You know, he's a little scrawny, a little little bedraggled. He'd been in the in the system for almost three or four months at that point, which was really sad. Uh, and so he was he was a, he was a, he was little. He was light, and we're like, you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna fatten him up a little bit. You know, get him get him strong and healthy. Well, you know, he he likes to be carried around the house like a baby on a regular basis. Like I will literally like carry him around the house, and he'll stay there for like. As long as I can hold him up. The problem is, uh, he's getting a little harder to hold up. He's getting a little thicker mm. as we're going. Shh, I, I, it's no judgment. Uh, but uh, so we might have to uh, perhaps ratchet down the food from everything he can eat. And uh, I will have to deal with the uh, reproachful looks such as like, you first, Tubby. But uh, that is the what is happening in the cat world in my place what's going on with cc and Didi? well they're getting used to jen being away so interestingly both cats will wake jen up three to four times a night for just like grazing food snacks and she gets up and gives it to them so they continue to bug her well i refuse to do so so when jen's gone the cats don't bug me but Cece won't sleep with me, but Didi, who usually sleeps under the bed, comes and sleeps with me when Jen's not here. It's very weird, uh, but I love it because it, he's not often super cute, and he is here. Um, and now, Jen and I usually tag team to remember to close the office door so that the fish isn't murdered. Uh, right. Which is a little bit more difficult now, I have to remember, because it gets very hot in here. Uh, oh. And so, long story short, that brings me to, Keith, are you ready for it? <laughs> we have a fish cam. Fish cam, baby. That's amazing. He uh, appears to still be alive. He's there. He's he likes to like um, fly amongst his leaves, and he's uh, you know he's doing his thing. It's uh, he's enjoyable. We can check in anytime. We can bring him in live. We can do whatever we need to do. We've That's... got fish cam. That's so exciting. I can't believe uh, Toy Cam from Look at My Star Trek toy, uh, Toys already has a spinoff, and we haven't even dropped the first episode. Oh, yeah. I- I've got so many ideas uh, that are stupid, and so we'll continue <laughs> to do them. But just uh, let's do, let's check in one more time. Well, he's not swimming around, so it's not worth it. Come on, buddy. Uh, no? All right. Forget it. All right. <clears throat> well, what, uh, it'll be uh, very exciting when Dee Dee eats the fish live on air. All right, it is time to move forward and hop into the time machine. And we are going all the way back to December 2nd, the year 2001. And I have a very important question. Hey, Mike, what was going on? This day in the basement. Well, Keith, this was still my first year in New York City. And around this time... My friends and I took a journey down to close to Wall Street to 
there was a kind of a makeshift memorial taking place down there by Ground Zero. Right. We mentioned it on the show. It was kind of uh, weird and smelled kind of funny and burnt everything. Uh, And there was only, uh, you could only get to like this little window to look at Ground Zero. But before they built this kind of like overpass, they hadn't shut it down entirely. So you could get around in certain areas and actually see the work being done. You didn't, we didn't really go that far. We looked through the window, but I was able I to find some. I was able to find some footage that I would like to share here. Um, you took this. Footage? I did not take this footage, uh, but it is surprisingly exactly <laughs> then. Like two days later. Yeah. yeah. So you can see here. This was. You could get close. You can see the rubble, it, and there are some shots that were still yeah. smoking. Uh, they had sure. laid a couple of iron crosses to to that, uh, and it was just still only two months later. So it's just completely this dig out effort. I mean, that took, I mean, it was still smoldering for months and months. Months and months. Lord, and uh, you know, many of these people you see working here uh, got sick, very sick, yeah, and uh, still haven't really been taken care of, which is a shame. But uh, as a as a person who had just moved to New York City, it was a. Uh, we had talked about this on the show. You know, it's it's really hard to to figure out your feelings and to, to sure. sort of comprehend the whole enormity of the situation. But that's just that hole, that hole there. And the fact that it's still mind-boggling to think about, the fact that they were able to get all of that somewhere else. You know what I mean? It took yeah. years upon years, but they were able to get it somewhere else. And now I'm well, thinking back, so close to Christmas, that first Christmas, all those families without without loved yeah. ones. Yeah, well, and they were still recovering bodies at that point. And, you know, and, and, and you know what John Stewart has been doing, advocating yeah. for these people, these first responders and these people who worked on the site to take care of them. And it is, it is a, a national shame that they have mm-hmm. not been cared for better. Uh, for sure, because it was it was heroic work and a feat of engineering, on top of the human tragedy to accomplish that. So, yeah, very uh, very interesting. I remember going, you know, about six months after that was my first time down there. But yeah, yeah, interesting, good footage. I mean, not good footage, but in- fascinating footage for interesting, sure. Interesting, yeah. Well, speaking of interesting uh, and. Far, far less tragic, uh, if not <laughs> any more successful. So, uh, again, thanks to the email archive. I know exactly what I was doing. And, in fact, I know exactly what I was doing that night. Because I was debuting my first uh, composition at Eastman. Uh, because I was taking a composition for non-majors course. Uh, which... Why I didn't start doing that from uh, freshman year, I have no idea. <laughs> or perhaps minor in it? I don't know. I was too lazy. Uh, so I debuted in uh, the concert, an evening of stuff like that, a piece which is going to be perfect because at that point and for the rest of my life, if I name something, I name it after my cat growing up. And my cat's name, of course, is Charlie. So, uh, I, and so this is Charlie Jr. But at this point, I named this piece Charlie Six, because I named it consecutively, or Thing Will Have a Title For by Wednesday. (laughs) 
as usual, uh, uh, people didn't get me. <laughs> people didn't. Everyone was taste, like, buddy, an acquired was like taste. etude in B flat minor. And mine was like, I think I'll have a title for my Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> nobody else had lyrics. No, uh, yeah, it was, I was such a weirdo and nobody had any idea what to do with me. But I wrote this, um, it's not quite a song cycle. It's something like that. It's a, but it's a, a piece based on a dream I had in which I wandered into the woods and in the woods there was a cave and in the cave there was a box and inside the box was everything I had ever lost as a child. And uh, just sort of going on that idea, going on that image, I sort of wrote three, you know, fictitious things that I would find in the box, pull it out, and then have a, a little song about What's what that what that meant to me. And uh, it was ridiculous and oh, I it, it's so hard. I it the piece is about eleven minutes long. And I have worked, I spent probably an hour trying to find 15 consecutive seconds of that piece that I wasn't embarrassed about my singing or the composition. (laughs) And it was really, really difficult. So just here's a little flavor. This was about a, uh, a note from a girl that I found in the piece. I was writing a, like an 11 year old it's a cute piece also are you playing as well no my accompanist was not available so I used another voice major so anyway so there's a little piece it was just All right, so that is just a piece of Charlie Six or a thing I'll have a title for by Wednesday. It's... Uh, I didn't really... I went to the wrong school. <laughs> I mean, you I was, and me both, buddy. Like, I, it's such a good school, and I learned so many good things, and I really, really value and appreciate the things that I've learned from that school. But, like, we were not a good fit. I didn't quite get it. It didn't quite get me. And we sort of tolerated each other <laughs> because you we're know, like, Go ahead. I, I think that's where we are. We're at an age at that point, both of us. It's, our stories were different, but the thing we shared was that you thought you had to fit into that box. Yes. Right? I think yes. we both thought that. If I, had, if I could go back in time and realize that, you know what? I am a unique snowflake. I have my own wonderful traits and I can find a situation that suits me. That would have changed a lot of parts of the journey and probably uh, for the better. But that's why you live, right? That's why you live and learn and hopefully can and express those things uh, to someone growing up. And I have 15 nieces and nephews, and I keep trying to... <clears throat> sorry, this. I'm, I think I even brought this up at one point, but my, my oldest niece, she's graduating this year from Quinni- Quinnipiac. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, wonderful... And I remember when she had her high school graduation party a few years back, four years back, you know, a couple of, all of her friends were sitting around, they're from Long Island, it's an affluent community, and they're all talking about where they're going to school, blah, 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 blah. And I could see a couple of her friends being pretty mum, because, and I, it, it 
went into the conversation and they were expressing how they were going to either state school or decided to take a year off or whatever it was. And it was one of those times where I was able to actually be the voice that's like, you know what, that's very smart fiscally. It's very smart. If you don't know what you want to do, you don't feel rushed. And of course, some of the parents who were at this party were, were not were none too keen about my advice. Right. But I stand by it. You know, we've no, talked I about it ad nauseum. But no, that's our I job agree. now, man. We're old people who need to 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 fight the truth. Do your own thing. Exactly. Be your own person. Well, I, I I think taking a year off is smart for any number of reasons. The least of which, like your brain is just barely developing. You have no idea what you want to do when yeah. you're 18. And I guess the the thought that I would take into it, and I and I don't mean this in some sort of like, oh, I'm awesome, we're powerful, and everyone's Keith nothing is to me. Pompous. It's Keith is pompous, but like we go through school, and and even through college, with this idea that we work for our teachers, mm. and they're the boss. And we're there to please them, to meet their expectations, to get whatever that, you know, to, it doesn't matter what we want, doesn't matter what we think, we're there to sort of like do what we're told in that sense. But really, especially once we get into college, our teachers work for us, not in some sort of like a condescending weird way, but you're, you are paying them to teach you something that you want to know something that will help you moving forward in life and and they want to like you know they they're not trying to force you to do something or think something or want something they want to help you and they figure because you've gone to that class you want to learn that <laughs> and but it's like i worked for school i i didn't mm. school didn't work for me i wasn't there trying to figure out all right how can this school that i'm paying this amazing amount of money to go to help service what i want to accomplish in my life i was i was there to be like i'm supposed to do this so i hope they like me i i'll leave you with this i read this really interesting post it might have been on medium or i'll i'll try to find it where i read it and and, and post to a link and it, it's a longer conversation. However, the other thing I was just recently reading, and it, it rings true, especially when I went back to school uh, to conservatory for theater, and I'm sure this goes for music and for your training as well, a lot of that education was also, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, conditioning young, impressionable people how to accept trauma. And that trauma mm. is okay. And, you know, breaking people, you need to be broken down. You need to be open. You need to be able to talk about, are you a virgin? Are you this? You know, like things that maybe an 18-year-old isn't ready for and all in the name of, well, this is the kind of shit you're going to have to put up with. You're, you know, like throwing you out of class. You're a piece of shit. All kinds of stuff. Now, oh we can God, argue whether, whether or not that's constructive, whether that that's for the arts. I, I would say that when you're 18, you, they're telling you that it is. So... You would just you just go with it, right? You're uh, not that, equipped to to fight back on something like that. Yeah. And then you look at you know our our industry is having a revolution right now. Well, at yes. least we're, people are acknowledging a lot of the trauma and a lot of the hate speech and a lot of the inequality. Confusing or, or like selling bullying bullying as teaching. Yes. And it's not. And that goes on in the classroom. It goes on in the rehearsal room. It goes on on stage. It goes on backstage. And the reckoning that's taking place right now is people realizing it's not people being snowflakes, right? It's people realizing, no. oh, we've been fed this bullshit like that it's part of the industry when it doesn't have to be. No, and, and I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. 
and and especially there's there's this acting teacher sort of idea where you're like half your school bully, half somebody's therapist, but you have no therapy degree right. where you're just like poking at shit to get a reaction and somehow that's acting teaching. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that's what I have to say. That's about a whole different podcast. Our, our follow spot podcast would be a different podcast today. It, it sure as heck would. We'd, have to, we'd sure have to change the jingle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we should uh, we should jump into the next thing. Yes, indeed. Let us stay twenty years ago, but zoom out and talk about. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Well, folks, as I mentioned, we're talking about December 2nd, the year 2001. And we're going to talk a little bit about the trivia of the day. The cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about the talk of IBM closure won't go away. There was a giant IBM uh, chip-making plant in Essex Junction, Vermont, which I spent a summer working at, actually. That's the last time I got a paid vacation day was when I that summer job I had in college at IBM in, like, 1999. Anyway, uh, IBM did indeed uh, sort of close down the plant. They continued to downsize until Global Foundries took over but this was in 2014, so they stuck around for longer than the paper thought they were going to. Meanwhile, the top movie was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in week three of Domination. And the top song, as we heard, was Family Affair, by, performed by Mary J. Blige. I don't know if she wrote it, but I do know what I wrote. It's a segment called... It's time, it's time, time, time. It's time for sports. The New York Football Giants. We're on a bye. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Philadelphia <laughs> Football Eagles beat down Dick Vermeil's Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night at Arrowhead 23-10. McNabb outdueled Trent Green, Tony Gonzalez, and Priest Holmes to remain on top of the NFC East. Wow, that was pretty good timing, buddy. Oh, I, I, you know what? I, I could feel the last repeat coming. Slow down. Mm. It's professional broadcasting, folks. It is good. the most professional thing we do here on the show. But even still... I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay, we are talking about Season 6, Episode 8, Dangerous Liaisons. This was written by David E. Kelly. He came in. He took back the sandwich. He took back the pen. He made this episode all by his damn self. It was directed by Andy Wolk, who last directed The Confession, one of my favorite episodes of last season, which leaves us with only one last thing to do. supposed to be what's your problem is this what happens to women when you insert your penis me playing guitar what 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 does mike think's gonna happen you know what if he would have drank the curdled milk then what would have happened let's hear that big sexy pitch i tried to find that that b-roll like birthday footage that i pulled that audio from i cannot find it again do they pull it 
Uh, maybe. I looked all over. Uh, there ain't you can't. There's not too deep a well of behind the scenes practice footage that can, that <laughs> no. exists on YouTube. So maybe they pulled it. Anyhow, look, dangerous liaisons. I see. A, I see some pink shoes. I see. It's very small, so I, I don't really see anything in the TV. Uh, but look, for weeks I've been asking for a district attorney, a, a, a assistant district attorney Lowe and uh, Helen McJudge Dread to just knock some fucking boots. And <laughs> <laughs> I've been asking, and I've been being left unrequited every week. And so I. Yeah, pour it. Mike pour it out. Thirsty. He's definitely thirsty. My wife's out of town. He's a bachelor, folks. My wife's out of town, and I want to see Helen Gamble bang a low. <laughs> or give me something, all right? So I don't care about the case. I'm sure it's going to be good because David e- – and look, David e. Kelly's writing. We know that he's got some very specific ideas of uh, fantasy. Uh, he likes to make himself – he is – the women get saucy when he's writing, is all I'm saying. <laughs> it's true. It's 100% true. <laughs> and so, look, I'm sure there's going to be courtroom. I'm sure there's going to be drama. I'm sure there's going to be lawyering. But at the end of the day, what Mike wants to see is those boots be knocking. I got a very big dick. And we want to see it. And if you want to hear those boots knock and us talk all over an episode that i'm sure oh wait i see blind people now or maybe they're just wearing similar sunglasses i don't know it's different i'm very excited about the episode also by the way <laughs> not just the banging <laughs> that, that seems like that's all you're interested in at this let's point. go back to fish cam no uh <laughs> go ahead and check out the qr code or join us on your podcasting service of choice to listen to mike and keith listen to the practice episode six just kidding season six episode eight dangerous liaisons we'll see you back for the after show and the oopsies uh and you know about four hours or so <laughs> season six episode eight dangerous liaisons liaisons we've all know. seen I, I tried the to be fancy. videotape it does look like you. That's the bad news. We talking sex The good tapes? news is, it's only from the side and the back. The face is invisible. Well, why is that good news, Jimmy? The face was invisible, nice the jury would see it wasn't me. Oh my goodness. Jen, come right. back. This is gross. Are you ready? Hey, this is a good open for yes. banging, though. Is a person ever ready to stand trial for murder? Oops. Bobby takes her hand. We're going to get through this. I know. Jimmy clocks and okay. holding her hand. You sure? Yeah. I tell I'm you what on. I'm sure about. Let's Can introduce. Sleep Lady, that's definitely possibly a murderer, and Bobby likes to hold the hand of. Lady that Jimmy's probably going to uncomfortably ask out within the next 45 minutes is my guess. <laughs> yes, indeed. This is Gabrielle Anwar from Scent of a Woman, The Three Musketeers, Burn Notice, Once Upon a Time, and The Tudors. Tomorrow it's So starts. she's used to showing her butt on, on, on the show. She's been in The Tudors. <sighs> Thank you, Bobby. That's she showed her tutor on the tutors. Come on. <laughs> You're better than that. 
No, I'm not. Okay, see you tomorrow. Bobby, you don't think we should be looking to cut a deal here? There's no deal to be had. We'd get manslaughter at best, which is out of the question. Why is it out of the question? They got motive? Forensics put her at the scene. That videotape gives them timing. The case got tougher, I agree. But how can we accept a homicide conviction on this, even if it's manslaughter? Bobby, you don't think she did it? I know she didn't do it. She's innocent. They're always so okay. convinced. Okay, so we've got Bobby, Bobby representing an attractive murderess again. And Jimmy's thirsty, and I think he's watched that videotape on VHS a few too many times. He's been kind and rewinded a few times. Well, we all know Jimmy in the VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Let's not Which... forget, I, I, I keep going back to the fact that Lucy joined the show by having a VHS, an entire VCR, installed into her roofing. That's true. Yeah, no, VHS has played a big role on the practice thus far. Oh, Lara Flynn Boyle, tonight, this, this is your episode, girl. I know it. Mike needs a cold shower. Who's there? There's evidently some press out front, but they've agreed to let you come in through the back. I think it's best we do that. Okay. I'm going to bite my tongue there. Confident. <laughs> Remember? Bobby's a little oh, bit handsy. Oh, Great Lindsay timing. clocks it too. What's wrong? <sighs> Rape crisis. Touched her twice. Eugene, you're in charge. Yo, Lucy gets beeped for race rape crises. That's she's got a lot of jobs, man. She's Lucy Hatcher rape crisis through oh. that door. I hope that's not on her business card. It's a tough one. And Mike closes down his comedy set. Does she know this lady? She does not. And I'm going to introduce her without the stupid jingle. Smart. (laughs) For uh, appropriateness. This uh, victim, who is an elderly woman, is played by Eve Brenner, who, uh, interestingly, is still kicking today at 95 years old and has still been working recently. You would know her voice from The Great Mouse Detective, also from the movie Walk of Shame and the show Baskets. And on Star Trek Voyager, she was in Jorah Morel in Remember... And she was also on Next Gen Enid in Violations. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. So we didn't play the the first stupid bumper, but the Star Trek stupid bumper with a title episode Violations. Yeah, which was felt right. It was not a good episode, and it was sort of about the same thing, but it was it was one of those like three hundred times that Troy was mind violated. Rape crisis. Bad. It's bad. Thank you for coming. I'll um. I'll just explain to you some of the procedures. The key thing here is trajectory. You can see it goes slightly downward. Oh, well, thank you for that very Typically, informative in image suicide, we're looking at. It's a when somebody cartoon puts a drawing of a head, person with a bullet. The line would be head. upwards. Specifically, Doctor, what did the trajectory here ben. indicate? 
that somebody Man. was standing over him and shot him point blank. Bill Simitrovich is in the courtroom for the first time. Which would also account for why he fell forward. We haven't seen him Typically, in a few Typically, contact wounds to the head are oh, hey. more times than not suicide. All right, let's just do a whole bunch correct. of stuff all at once. I love this guy. The judge is Clyde Kusatsu. As Judge Chin, we last saw him in Rhyme or Reason. And the coroner. Let us talk about the coroner here. Played by Ryan Cutrona. Who we have seen before. And he's going to do six different appearances on the practice. All as the same character, ostensibly. But in six different appearances, he is billed six different ways. Let Mm -hmm. me read to you his billings. Dr. Patrick Fine. FBI coroner. Pathologist, Dr. Fine. Pathologist. Forensics expert. And coroner, Patrick Fine. So, this guy has uh, the attention to detail. On this show here. They know he's got something to do with forensics and dead bodies. And that's you know, about as close as they get. I feel like a coroner could also be all of those other things. I think you could hold all of those job titles. Yes. No, which is why I'm, I'm confident it's the same character. It's just that... Uh, let you know they didn't have the intern go back into the script and like yeah yeah we know it's Ryan bring Ryan back he's gonna talk you know he's gonna do like some of the guys shot in the head but hey, what do we call him who cares also we are giving we always have we give a lot of credit to the IMDb people who do IMDb <laughs> I don't know if they if there's any if we know for a fact that this is how they were billed on the episode. Well, I'll tell you what I I have been just last week I sent a correction to IMDb. Because a Keith Varner got credited for an episode of Submissions Only I did. And I'm like, uh, it's I'm credited as another thing in that same episode. Can you just put that? And like I've said it twice, they are ignoring it entirely. So let's be honest. You wrote IMDB because you're like, can you add and others to my IMDB profile? <laughs> Among others. Thank Among you, others. Doctor. And doctor, can you state to a medical certainty this was not a suicide? We can't rule it out to a medical certainty. Thank you, doctor. And as I read the coroner's incidental report, I see listed under cause of death, probable suicide. Yes, but we later concluded otherwise. Yes, and was that subsequent conclusion based Could strictly see Bobby on Bobby autopsy Bobby. findings? Or did you take Wait into Bobby consideration Bobby. other circumstantial or physical evidence supplied to you by the police? We considered other evidence as well. Thank you, doctor. Nailed them. I don't understand. You plan to put Mr. Potter's reputation on trial. Rebecca, no, we don't. We just. If he had an affair with Ms. Defoe, did he have any other affairs to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. But it's not as if he would tell me. No, but as his secretary, you would know the calls he got and see who walked in his office. Well, the only person was Ms. Defoe. All right. Thank you for the exposition. Because of exposition, we know she was the secretary. Is it worth it? I mean, Keith can't even hear me. Who am I talking to? (laughs) You're talking to our loyal listener. You're right. 
You know, and who knows? I might go back and listen to it. No, I won't. Uh, Okay, so the secretary is played by Nicole DeDuff, uh, who was in the movie Suspect Zero. Remember that? It was a Ben Kingsley. I I went to see that on a date once. It was like a first date. It was awkward. Uh, anyway, she was also in Meet the Parents, an unbeatable herald. And uh, tragically, she died at 30 when doctors misdiagnosed her pneumonia. Sheesh. Well, that was dark. Yeah. Sybil, this is Helen Gamble. She's a district attorney. How you doing? Well, all things considered, Philadelphia seems nice. Yeah. Well, I do Deep have cut. some good news. We caught the man. You did? He posed as a delivery boy. Listen, uh, do you think you could possibly look at a police lineup? Be in a room with him? No, a separate room, and he wouldn't be able to see you. I could be right with you at all times. Oh, God, I don't know. It would only take a minute. Assuming that it's the guy. Right. We got a wheelchair, Keith. Woman wheeling in. The, a very dramatic score. Well, we are meeting the wife of the victim. It was two nights before the accident that I discovered them. Your husband and, and fine. the defendant. Sorry for yes. all the interruptions, folks, but the there's a lot of new people my here. My wife of the victim! Uh, anything I had was I I second guessed. <laughs> <laughs> if you second guessed what you said, you wouldn't say anything. I know, but it'd just be me talking into the void. <laughs> she's she's dressed very conservatively for court today. So who yes. is she, Keith? Well, she <laughs> is. <laughs> All right. So the person was who. So, it, it, just in case Mike wasn't paying attention, our victim was shot in the head. They're saying it was a suicide, but they're going after his mistress, uh, who is the one that Bobby's all handsy with, and this is the deceased's wife, played by Lisa Chess from David E. Kelly's Picket Fences, the legendary Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Uh, which I believe that was one with uh, Vanilla Ice. Vanilla yeah? Ice, yeah. Yes. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Ninja, go. go. Oh, man, I remember that. Uh, she was also in 10 and Star Trek The Motion Picture way back in 1979. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. I think that movie is still playing from its uh, opening night. Now, Keith, a little prediction here, and if I'm wrong, <laughs> okay, shame on me. But we talked about this a week or two ago about how representational casting uh, is to be applauded, and hopefully we're moving towards more representational casting. Representational casting. One would like to think that this woman being in a wheelchair doesn't could just be an actress in a wheelchair. It has no significance to the plot of the show. However, judging by the time period and the way that they shot the. Uh, dramatic wheelchair entrance to the scene that it's going mm-hmm. to be a very specific part of her character that is uh, the reason why she's in a wheelchair. That's my guess. Fair enough. It, ha- it is a bearing in the mystery to be unraveled. Well, Light let's find canceled. out. 
I came back home. She was there. And what happened then, Mrs. Potter? Well, Bernard and I had a rather massive argument. We, um... Massive? Two days later, we were still fighting. And it was during an argument while driving that the accident happened. As a result of this automobile accident, you lost the use of your legs? Yes. How did your husband react to your injury? He uh, felt extremely guilty. Shortly after, he terminated his relationship with Ms. Defoe. Did you ever talk to her? On a couple of occasions. Could you describe her demeanor? She just seemed urgent, to the point of being frantic. So from your observation, she didn't take the breakup very well? No. Now, Mrs. Potter, the defense has speculated that your husband possibly took his own life. I can't believe he would commit suicide. On the day of his death, did he seem despondent or... I will not sit here and proclaim he was a happy man the day he died. But to the extent I can say that I did know my husband, I cannot see him capable of suicide. She has motive, right? You have to cross yeah, her easy, sure. Jimmy. Plan, plan B the shit out of her. completely alienate the jury. I know. I don't think she hurt us too badly. Oh, yeah, Bobby. Bobby's got those buttons down. Oh, Bobby's feeding his kid. Yes. Bobby, baby. I think he's uh, sad enough. So Any kid's growing up. She's still doing it. murderer interviews. lady just picked I'll up Bobby's baby. I'll see if she's cooled in. Now she's smelling his hair. This supposed to have turned out. This just in, Lindsay is going to be pissed if she walks in the office right now. Uh, yeah, because the hot murderess just picked up and stole her baby. She also has no uh, care in the world about the mess that her very expensive outfit is now going to suffer at the hands of that kid's messy mouth that they never cleaned. It's just full of food and chocolate. 100% true. So when people look at me like I'm stroking his hair at least console myself with the fact that they have it wrong. I Bobby's feel the like, accusation of being a homewrecker. Maybe put my kid down. Because they have it right. Oh shit, here comes Lindsay. You know this is Lindsay. I heard a door. Oh hey. shit! Hey. Sorry I'm late. The depot ran over. Hey, buddy. Give me some serious... Hey. Yeah. Meanwhile, the baby's face is now completely clean, as is the bin. How the first day go? Oh, not too bad. Also, uh, the, the subtle bit of acting, the shade she threw Bobby there, as she picked up the as the kid transfer took place, she shot him a look that a married man will recognize. <laughs> the you done fucked up good look. But there's somebody but else here, so we're going to talk about tomorrow. this later. <laughs> Probably have a late night tonight. Okay. Late night for Jimmy, too? Probably. Well, We're getting the red herring here. They're really letting us think some something's going on. Bobby's not. They, Bobby's not fucking around. At the time of your husband's death, you testified these were not happy times. 
In fact, he was being treated for depression, wasn't he? Yes. And you also spoke of his guilt for both the affair and the accident. Yes. What is the wife here. was your favorite hobby? Walking. I'm told you'd often drive into the city and walk for hours. Is that correct? Here's our plan B, baby. I wrote short stories. Plan B, baby. So walking, observing people. And you also loved it. Yes. Did your husband once say to people he wished he'd been killed in the accident? He said he'd rather he lost his life than me lose my legs, yes. But I never took it to mean he was suicidal. But he said it. He wished he'd been killed. That's like an inadvertent plan. It's like a plan being of the dead husband. Now, well, right, because their, their story is that it was a suicide. Okay. Bring them now in. we're going to the police lineup. Ray Bruzzo! Never gonna win that oopsie! <laughs> you okay? It's probably the only yes. person on the cast who listens. Number one, please step forward. <laughs> No. Step back, number one. Number two, please step forward. Playing thug number two is Keith Varner. <laughs> no. Good callback. Number two, step back. Number three, step forward. Here he is. She's going to have a face. There it is. Steve Brenner's giving a good performance here. Ms. Walters, do you recognize this man? No. Oh shit. Oh, she's clearly sure does, but says she doesn't. It isn't him. Oh. Interesting. Why is she having second thoughts, Pete? I'll check. Does she I know the guy? We'll probably explore she that. She recognized him, Lucy. She must still be in trauma. It was probably too soon to do this. Oh, maybe, but here's our problem. The rape kit didn't give us anything. He was likely wearing a condom, which we've yet to find. Look, our ability to put this guy away depends on her. Without the ID, I can't even file. You didn't find any forensic evidence? We found three hairs in the victim's office, all belonging to the defendant. Now, the defendant Nicholas certainly Rimes? admits to being in that office in the past. The cleaning crew informed us that the floors are vacuumed every single night. Which led you to conclude? Ms. Defoe was there that night. Any other evidence pointing to that? Telephone records show that Mr. Potter placed a call to her 40 minutes prior to the murder. Then of course- Mr. Potter! Videotape. That's the clearest image we have. This was taken when? Three minutes after the gunshot was heard. Now detective, is there any footage of this person going into the stairwell? No. Our theory is she probably went up in the elevator. So you think it's likely that this person went up the elevator and down the stairwell? Correct. Detective, are you able to tell from this video how tall this person is? Yes. Breaking it down to scale, we determined this person is five feet, four inches tall. How tall is the defendant, if you know? Five feet, four inches tall. The two weeks before, she would come in unannounced, demand to see Very Mr. Potter. Very specific for forensics from a VHS video. Now, could you describe Katie Defoe's demeanor during these visits? 
She was upset. She seemed hurt. It's not going well. Why do you feel so doomed? You knew about all this evidence. We're not doomed. But Katie, if you went into that building that night, I'm not accusing you of the murder, but if you went into that building at all, I prefer we, we admit it and deal with it. So um, we'll see if it's on purpose or not. This is a... We've seen this before. Bobby seems overly passionate with some of his clients, right? Mm-hmm. They have not given us any exposition as to how he knows her or how they got this case. It's sort of a out of the blue, so so I'm just kind of, this is on the fly thinking. Right. But, you know, uh, he seems a little bit uh, antsy, let's say, a little bit over-invested. So uh, it definitely spells bad news for both the client and for Bobby Baby. Yes, it's quite possible. Yes. I did not go into the building. He's a sucker for an accent, that Bobby. I'm sorry. He is. I had to ask. Please don't ask me again. (laughs) Well, that's sort of his whole gig, isn't it? Oh, this feels like we're going to find some shit out here. Last few months, I've I've grown fond of you, Katie. Oh Jesus! Oh shit! Christ. He is over invested in his. I, got a very I tell you, it's not some kind of advance. I'm very happily married. I love my wife totally. But since I do have feelings. Oh, I have to be conscious of the reality that my judgment could be colored. I have so many thoughts. (laughs) I mean, you can't do... Well, I mean, it's... Look, it's... I mean, there's a real... It's realistic in that it's possible to develop feelings for other people and still be in a happily be happily married and just be confused and he's being upfront by saying i don't want that i don't want my judgment to be clouded i think that that's all legitimate however as far as the character goes like come on there's other ways to make him every other week he's just friends with the person or they go way back or they're related why can't we do that we have to make it it's oh it's a sexy lady so bobby's got a, you know got some sort of emotional it's just ugh it makes me, well, it, it just feels nasty. Not for nothing. Uh, this is not the first time, but the second time that Bobby has fallen for a hot woman accused of murder. Mm-hmm. If you go back to season two, episode one, Reasonable Doubts, the exact same thing happened. I mean, it's, it's not. He's like, got a type. D- Dylan's doing his job. Like Dylan, at least looks super is is acting this very conflicted, and that's I think that that gives it a very authentic kind of color. Uh, I just I'm I'm looking at you, David E. Kelly. I'm looking at you. It's for that reason I just asked you that question, so the distrust you feel isn't so much for you, 
as it is for my own objectiveness. I mean, that's... At least he's got his scruples in order. Sort of. Ish. Do I need to get a different lawyer? Get back yes, up! Yes! 100%. Back up, lady. No. Yeah, Jimmy Berluti. He's standing outside, with the, yeah. <laughs> listening intently, when and I probably <laughs> with an, a, a, a glass to the The sudden door. thought of having to sit through the trial, looking at him every day. <sighs> I just can't do it. You don't have to apologize for being afraid. It's not just fear, Lucy. I'm 83. I haven't many years to live. I don't want to spend one of them embroiled. I think I could survive this best if I could somehow bring myself to forgive him and move on. Okay. Any way I can help you? You could make him apologize. I've been a police criminologist for 11 years. And what findings, if any, did you make, Doctor? This was not a suicide. This is Can you tell the court Lynn what psychological Levy. evidence led you to this conclusion? In the days leading up to the death, Mr. Potter was very driven at work. Even productive, he was meeting deadlines. This kind of efficiency belies the notion of a man intending to end his life. He was getting therapy, both personally and marital counseling. This again suggests that he was looking to heal, move ahead, not die. The main thing. Hello, and welcome to Movie Phone, brought to you by PHL 17 and 1 800 Movies. Doesn't she get. She's you, it's really funny you say that. Uh, I don't know if she's that voice, but her career has been a, a great deal of ADR and voice work. That's well. What I was ma- the point I was making was that she sounds like a voice actor. She is a voice actor. Yeah, she was well, actually in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. You can tell because every line is read very neutral with specific punctuation, so that it can be used in and out of order without sounding too confusing. Hundred <laughs> percent. He left no note. If guilt is the motivating factor for suicide, in my experience, there's almost always a note. Yes, kids, you used to have to call a telephone number to find out when the movies were played. (laughs) You have to explain that. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, and that's only if you didn't have it in your your daily local paper. Mm -hmm. Had it printed in there. Oh, yes. We're old. Press one if you know the name of the movie you'd like to see. Press 2 for a list of movies playing near you. Species, starring Natasha Henstrich. (laughs) Doctor, you have known cases where suicides have not been planned out. The victim acts on a sudden decision. Yes. Even in cases where people are on the mend, getting help, productive at work. That's not the usual. But it's been known to happen. People just snap. Those cases usually involve schizophrenia, or chemical problems, neither is indicated with Mr. Potter. But it's happened. Of course. There's anecdotal evidence for almost everything, but... Thank you. I'd like to finish my response, You answered my question. No, I'm telling you I haven't answered it. Is suicide possible here? Of course it is. Anything's possible. 
but based on my 17 years as a trained professional dealing with this very question, I am adamant in my belief that this man was murdered. It's not even a difficult call. I'm scared, Bobby. We haven't even put on you, our defense you said yet. But our whole defense is basically my word. The way the jurors are looking at me... What do we say about panic? We can't have panic. What if I get scared during my testimony? It might make me look guilty. What if I get nervous and I can't remember? Hey, hey, hey. <sighs> Stop oh. hugging her. Hands off the lady, Bobby. You're stroking her hair. Dude, what are you doing? Jimmy, tell Rebecca to revisit Potter's therapist. Remind him privilege doesn't survive his patient's death. I think she did that. Tell her to try harder. Bobby, this you're man a was treating the guy liar. for depression. He's bound to have something we can use. If he doesn't agree, slap him with a summons. I want him in that chair. Okay. And I want my baby in this woman's arms. The breakup was very painful. Didn't we have a, uh, didn't we cut, or maybe you never cut it, didn't we have a jingle for Bobby is an asshole? Because I feel, it feels very appropriate. Uh, we, <laughs> we don't have a jingle for it, but I believe uh, when we when we got to it, it was a Mike and Deglio live special. Bobby is an asshole. He wants to fuck this other chick. But since he says he loves his wife, I guess that makes it okay. Oh my God, not wrong key. I chose, and I then that's committed a, to uh, it. What the makes it? That's probably like a like a B flat. Yeah, well, it's a B. Sorry, I sang that earlier. No, I'm looking it up. Hold on. Oh, it's a C. Makes it okay. Shrimp there you and go. Get it. Bobby is an Okay, we got to do it so we can cut it later. Bobby he is an asshole. asshole. He wants to fuck this chick. Fuck of dick. <laughs> <laughs> but Jimmy stole lots of money, so he knows his secret safe with him. Do it again. The secret saves him. So, but but Jimmy stole a lot of money, so he knows his secret saves him. <laughs> we cannot do this shit on Zoom, buddy. <laughs> Keith and Mike Entertainment for all of your jingle needs. <laughs> I don't deny that. We've heard testimony that you repeatedly tried to change his mind. Yeah, we're trying to change your mind, Bobby, and it ain't working. Unannounced. I did. Fuck, but get James Spader in I was hurting. In the oh. days leading oh up my to God, Bernard's Mike is death, firing Dylan did McDermott. Did you notice any suicidal tendencies? The only strange thing was the What did phone I call him the one time? James Spader? What phone call was that? Or David Spader? I said David Spader. David Spader. <laughs> prior to his death, he telephoned me. He said he would never see me again. He said goodbye. And he hung up. It seemed very odd, and his voice sounded slightly erratic. What did you do then? I tried to call him back. The call didn't go through, and I never got him... And the next thing, I'm told he's dead. Ms. Defoe, did you go to Bernard Potter's building that night? I absolutely did not. Did you go anywhere that night? No, I, I stayed at home. You're sitting in this courtroom today. Would you go to Fenway Park and meet me on the mound? Accused of murder. 
I committed adultery with Bernard Potter, for which I'm very much ashamed. Would you be ashamed. open to a threesome with another murderess? And as I said, I feel guilty. It's cool. Lindsay's watching the baby tonight. It's fine. She's on Grey's Anatomy And I now. take responsibility for what happened to his wife, but I didn't kill him. I, I could never be capable of such a crime with anyone. Especially someone that I loved. Bobby's pissed because she loved that guy. And he wants her love for himself. So like, it was him. Yeah. You know, Keith, I, 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 all I asked for was some banging, right? That's what I asked for. But I, I didn't know it was going to come at a cost. At a it, very high cost. My respect for Bobby, Bobby. Bobby, baby. Bobby, baby. All Don't right. bang the murderers. Now let me, I gotta get my straight face on because we're going to, we're going back to Lucy. Yes. And maybe in time she'll change her mind, but for well, now she's she looking, want she's the dressed up the for the occasion. Well, she'd only have to be there for her testimony. But he'd she have does. to be in the room, right? And she wants him to apologize? What are you hatching up? We get that apology on tape. We don't need her ID. Go tell him he'll be made by the woman unless he apologizes. Whoa, I'm a great always up for a trick. Agent. Oh, yes. Yeah. Scruples be damned. comforted if we can put the rapist in jail. I'll be comforted if you bang so You Helen, just happened guess... to get a very strange call from Bernard Potter shortly before his death. Never going to see you again. Goodbye. Yes. And you tried to call him back. Several times. Why are there no phone records of any such return calls? Because the message center picks up after the sixth call, and I typically hang up after five. I see. See, kids, they were answering lesson machines. In how to shoot a gun? It's like a little tape. Yes. When? He, 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 they auto-erased, though. A month you didn't catch your messages. Death. Just thought it might be wise to know how to shoot a gun. A lot of women oh, yeah. look into personal protection, Mr. Walsh. You say that isn't you. It isn't. Oh, so it wasn't a sex tape at all. Oh, when Jimmy said he saw, we saw her rear and side, he meant, no, oh, my bad. Yes. Sorry. <clears throat> it's if uh, I, I think there's a certain parchedness that might be bleeding into uh, how you're <laughs> hearing things today. Yeah, it's true. You've been seen wearing that type of overcoat many times, haven't you, Mister Foe? Thousands and thousands of women in Boston wear that style of overcoat. What happened to yours? We couldn't find it. I, th I threw it out. When? I have no idea. Why I does Bobby look surprised? They haven't the had this ones. discussion ahead of Where'd time. Where'd you throw it out? Just in the garbage. I didn't give it to a friend or the Salvation Army. You just threw it away. Yes. There are witnesses that have seen you wearing that coat as recently as a few weeks before the shooting. I would think if you were wearing it that recently, it had to be in decent shape. But you just threw it out. Asked and answered. You had a coat like that shortly before the murder. It couldn't be found after the murder. All right, so we are going to commercial basically halfway through the episode here. And, you know, I'm maybe not going to commercial, but... Our clients looking guilty. Which... You know, we've got foreshadowed from the tippity top where Jimmy's like, yo, shouldn't we be getting this lady a deal instead of go seeing this through? Mm -hmm. And of course, the episode's less about her guilt, it appears, and more about 
Bobby making the decision to see, stick it through and get her out when he should uh, be getting her less prison time. He should not stick it through. He should just stay out. <laughs> I'll say it one more time. I deserve that. We have that. to plead this. What else did Potter's therapist say? Just that. But if he's called, he will reject the idea of suicide. Though, David E. Kelly also likes to give Bobby unlimited get-out-of-jail-free cards. So maybe they'll pull another rabbit out of a hat here. Yeah, so remember when I he was on trial for murder? I mean, he has something in common with those women he's obsessed with. You what happened in there. Even so, you don't start winging it halfway through a trial. Come on. Hey, get your I shit together, Bobby. You. I'm calling him. I'd have to let him back into my home? With me here and the police in adjoining apartments, also in the hall. Wait, hold on. You're telling... So this... This lady's whole thing was that she didn't want to have to, like, spend time in a courtroom with him, relive the trauma look him in the eye, all that stuff. And right. so the best solution they can come up with is have him come back into her apartment and have a like, face-to-face conversation. Well, even if you were going to do, even if like, you know, that strains credulity all by itself. But even it's if you were going to absurd. do the apology part in her apartment where it happened and not like, let's meet at Starbucks. <laughs> Oh, there'll be police next door? Oh, okay, cool. Well, that makes it better. Promise you'll be safe. Oh. That's a promise you can't really keep. I don't know. It's totally your decision. Yeah, the but decision is no. if you say no. I'm just saying if your fear really is a long trial, it'll only take a few minutes. You'll get your apology and you'll put him in jail. And you'll be here with me. Every minute. Get an apology, lose my job, but, but he gets to continue. Why would you lose your job? Is she going to apologize to the next exactly person he does this to? supposed to be doing. Which he was extremely guilt-ridden over the pain he caused his wife. Let's be candid. You don't think it was a suicide? Yeah, that, that's not that's that that that, that 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 that's not the point here. The point here is, uh, and I, you know how I feel about Lucy as a character. Love Lucy. But, I mean, wouldn't Rape Counselor 101 tell you this is a traumatic, terrible fucking idea? Like, it strains credulity, no way. It's absurd. Yes. No, it, it, is, it is patently absurd for any number of different reasons. <sighs> but well, I have good news. Okay. Here's the good news. The uh, person on the, sta- on the ooh, stand is Alan Oppenheimer as Dr. Pap. But don't worry, he was Judge Nelson in Human Bondage! We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twist the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. You were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, mainly filler, but you had a goatee. You may be fooling someone different, but you don't fool me. We don't hear the judge, but you just might be. Welcome back to the practice tonight. I don't think he was remotely suicidal. Dr. Papp, during your therapy with Bernard Potter, 
He discussed his affair with Katie Defoe. He did? Did he ever discuss having an affair with anybody else around the time of his death? Yes. Who? Oh, shit. His secretary, Michelle Farrell. The secretary. The secretary. Is she wearing a wig? When did this affair end, if you know? Objection, hearsay. Overruled. When did Mr. Potter's affair with Miss Farrell end? About a week before his death. Thank you. Who was this Mr. Potter, and how was he doing all of this? Mr. Walsh. I have no questions, but reserve the right to recall. But this may step down. The defense recalls Michelle Farrell. Your Honor, I'd like some time in light of this new information. We'll break for the day. Resume tomorrow with Ms. Farrell. That was a kind of a cool arpeggio they were playing there. That was neat. If anything happens, yeah. we'll be in in three seconds. Okay. Well, I'll be out in three seconds, so don't worry. Good luck. So now Lucy is having to do this? Yo, this... She's going to quite a volunteer rapist. gig. Yeah, right? Mr. Macklin. My name is Lucy Hatcher. I'm from Rape Crisis. I'm the counselor for the elderly woman you raped. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you do. She made you in a police lineup yesterday. Only so far, she's keeping it to herself since as a Christian woman, she believes in forgiveness. You got lucky. But she only plans to forgive you if you repent. You know her address. Show up tomorrow at noon, tell the woman you're sorry, and be sorry. Or she goes to the police. All right, let's introduce this uh, this guy. But, you know, I'm kind of sick of that bumper. So I'm just going to play a random bumper, and this will be the who's that. Okay, so this is Macklin the Rapist, is played by Andy McKenzie, who you would know from Sushi Girl, MacGruber, True Detective, True Blood, and My Name is Earl. Underrated also, show. aren't they giving him, like, a great entrapment defense here? Well, I think entrapment would only, I think it only applies to when you're trying to get somebody to do a crime, not mm. admit to a crime. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Sushi girl? So you're going to accuse the secretary? Mm -hmm. Oh shit. I'm going to throw it out there. She doesn't have a complete alibi. This so scene is going to be uncomfortable. I feel it. Seems a little desperate. Well, we are desperate, Lindsay. I mean, Katie didn't do so well. And the business of the overcoat. Well, did you ask her what she did with the overcoat? She was asked three times. She threw it out. No, I don't mean on the stand. I mean after, in private. You didn't ask? I believe she threw it out. Bobby, come on. What? Are you involved with her, Bobby? What? Look, don't I, be incredulous. It might just be my hormones. I'm sorry, but I just get this weird feeling that something's going on. The, I mean, the way you just believe her. You believe something's going on? I'm just... It's not a no. Wondering, Lindsay? I'm sorry. Ugh. You know me better than that. 
Do it, does she? Still not a no. Maybe I'm just fried. This is terrible, Keith. It's terrible because it one of two things happens, right? Nothing happens, in which case they just Lindsay feels like she's a crazy woman, which is fucking terrible and schlocky writing if it pans out that way. Or right. Bobby just feels guilty, which is like total mansplaining of how or he, he should doesn't feel. feel guilty. <laughs> well, he does. I mean, Dylan's acting his ass off and giving us that conflicted guilt vibe, but that's not. Or something she finds out, and then like this beautiful romance that we've been pulling for for all these seasons is fucked. Like, come on, David. You couldn't just leave well enough alone. Maybe they have a sandwich at Jimmy's shop. Hey, hello. Ring, 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 ring. Hey, hey what's is up? This, is this the sandwich guy at Boston? Yeah, yeah, what's up? What, you need another sandwich for Jimmy? Yeah, nah, I need a different sandwich here. Less meatball, more, I possibly want to cheat on my wife. You got anything? Oh, the cheat on your wife. Oh, yeah, I don't know why I sound like I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a transplant. I, I think we had covered I, that last time. Oh yeah, no, I came up. I I drove up. Uh, I drove up. Uh, eighty-seven. Came up uh, mm. from Brooklyn. Get a sandwich. Oh, okay. Wait, do you want you want the cheat on your wife special, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think it's called the two eggs and slam. Oh, oh, it's it's, uh, <laughs> I just it's the wiener and the tuna. <laughs> Keith's Brooklyn Why accent might be my favorite. About your Between two Mr. buns. Cox. It wasn't relevant. You break you up the with him a week the buns. before he's found dead. Throw some it tuna wasn't in relevant. There. No. You were asked point blank. Oh my god! I just so basically, it's a hot dog bun with two wieners in it and tuna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just delicious. <laughs> and why are there, if we're going sexual innuendo? Why are there two wieners? Uh, because of your two hearts. <laughs> Your wiener wants one thing, but your wiener wants another thing. It's both tuna. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God By Rebecca it. Washington seated right over there whether Mr. Potter was having any other affairs, and you answer to the best of your knowledge, no. It's my private life. Miss Farrell, did you kill your boss? Objection. What? You had the opportunity, the motive. How tall are you? This is ridiculous. How tall Oh, you know what? The secretary's pretty good looking too, Keith. We, you know what? Sandwich came. Gonna need three Are wieners. You? Three wieners. Oh boy. <laughs> That's a juggler. Your Honor, with the court's permission, I'd like the witness to step out of the witness chair for a demonstration. I object. Oh. We're gonna measure Ms. her. Farrell, please step out. Five four. Does he have a brown wig? I'd say five Stand and three quarters. Like Six on a good day. Could you put this on, please? I object to this grandstanding. Overruled, Miss Farrell. Put You're lucky on. he's not making her drop her pants. We've been there before, Kittleson. Looking at you. Sure have. And these glasses, please. And the wig. So we're doing like the full matlock here. Katie? Yeah. This is the Halloween plan B. I'd like you to. Oh, she got her own sunglasses. Fit, you must acquit. Yeah, she brought her own props to the courtroom. Keith, I'm still looking for the pink tennis shoes, though. Yeah, we'll get there. Reasonable doubt, baby. We're looking at it. Yeah, they look identical from behind. 
I see reasonable doubt. Boom! What happens now? They cross her, establish her alibi. She has one? She was at a movie and can account for most of the night, not all of it. How to play? Honest. A little desperate. So if he knows she has an alibi that checked out, Bobby has to know she did this. The the secretary has an alibi that checked out. Yeah. That's his thing. It could blow up in your face. All I need is one juror. You and Perry Mason. Yeah, Jimmy! Jimmy. I don't want to hear their crap in front of the client. You asked my opinion in front of the client. You have a problem. Do I have a problem? I got a big problem. I think you have feelings for this woman and you're not seeing straight. That's my problem. And they're having this conversation directly in front of her. Knowing Jimmy, he's liable to call Lindsay up, you dude, so... So he just brought in the victim's wife, who's in the wheelchair. Is it just a game to you, Mr. Donald? Wait, this is somebody totally inappropriate. Here. That was real. Did it's we hear a, a knock, or did Jimmy just open the door to present her? She was waiting in the hallway the whole time. I think Jimmy premeditated it. I think Jimmy yeah. was like, "Yo, I, I want, I have a, I have a point to prove to my friend. Could you come and uh, come in with the client?" And this is wholly inappropriate. Nothing. Yeah, but what, what I want you to do, I want you to sit outside the door <laughs> while we have a personal conversation. When should I come in? Don't worry about it. Just when I'm going to open the door and just, yeah, just, just be, come in there. Be, yeah, be preset. Just be ready and, to uh, go. When I feel that it's the most dramatic, I will just reveal you. You'll you wheel in. To the strings, Mike. Yeah, you'll wheel in, and you will ask if this is just a game, and uh, then Lindsay will be brought upon, and we will have all four of the women in here. Right. Also, a couple of hot dogs and a bun with tuna, apparently. <laughs> also, if it wasn't more ridiculous, Keith, screenshot this right, or I'll do it. Look at the ridiculous painting behind Bobby in this room. Uh, yeah, who is that? Like, I don't uh, know. It it's got mutton chops. It's absolutely insanity. What is happening? <laughs> I think it's like uh, 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 John Adams, <laughs> Professor Plum. I don't know. Okay, so we're at. Are you sure, you ready? the victim's house. He showed up. Yeah, no. No, yeah, absolutely not. Are you okay? Yes. Are you? <clears throat> Is any of this okay? Look, I know you think I did it, but I didn't do it. But I'm sorry for what happened to you. Is that your idea of seeking forgiveness? You don't think I know? I looked you in the eye. You don't think I know you're the man who raped me? I'm sorry. <laughs> you're sorry? 
My husband was a minister. Bet you didn't know that. Did you ever think you were raping a minister's wife? Damn. Holy shit! <laughs> what the hell? Jesus Christ, Pete! <laughs> What's she just happening? pulled out a gun and shot him. David E. Kelly's like, you know what? Let's get all the sharks, get a couple of hurdles, and let's just jump them all over the place. Meanwhile, okay, hold on. Stop right there. Hold on. She had a great zinger at the end. Let's 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 give her her due. There's so much to talk about here. Do you feel lucky, punk? She has her own. Do you feel lucky, punk? Here it comes. I know you would have liked to have the confession first. But I just didn't see the need for it. Fuck. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Nobody gave her a pat down before None. the fucking... Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, okay, so she is able to, this 80-year-old woman, just go up, shoot him directly in the forehead, like right in the head. We go down. He falls down. There's no blood anywhere. No, just like a little hole in his head. It's not even a hole. Like, it's clearly like they just took like a Sharpie and just like drew a hole there. Like, Abruzzo goes down. He's like touches him. He's dead immediately. He's like, there's his heart. There's no blood. There's no nothing. Just don't, don't, bore, don't worry about it. Nobody dies like that. Uh, plus, she can shoot like freaking Rambo. Oh, yeah. She, and she has a good zinger on the way out. Nobody thought that that was a possibility. The whole fucking thing. Come on now. Oh my god, but hold on. It's close. I was late this in a couple weeks. Time to put your case to bed. It's close. Otherwise you cry instead. Closing time. Bobby baby, what do you got? The man was profoundly depressed. He crippled his wife, a woman who loved be. walking like she loved life. He was being clinically treated for this depression. A woman who loved walking like she loved life. I mean, somebody write the, wrote those words, and other people were like, yeah, man, good, good line. Let's keep it. <laughs> yeah, because the person who wrote that was the showrunner, so nobody could. None of you can eliminate the possibility that Bernard Potter took his own life. The only Jesus reason the police Christ. arrested Katie Defoe is because she seemingly had motive. Hairs of hers were found at the scene. A woman who looked like her was seen leaving the building. But Michelle Farrell would also have motive. She too was having an affair. And how easy it would have been for her to frame Katie Defoe. She could have collected hairs from my client's hairbrush and planted them. Dressed up to look like her. We all could just have been saw them. We know. And she can't account for her whereabouts for the hour immediately Wait, preceding Mr. Potter's death. Get to the hairbrush of the mistress. Yeah, and she he's only allotting for an hour of time. So she would have had to leave the movie, dress up, murder, go back to the movie. Come on, Bobby. Or even she says like she was hairbrush. Like, all right, so let's say we're both having an affair with the same person. Keith, have you watched this episode and you're hung up on the hairbrush? Do you we got bigger I, fish to fry. Do I have access to your hairbrush just because we're banging the same old dude? Hair, let's be honest. Neither of us has touched a hairbrush in quite a while, <laughs> A. 
Be- I cut my own hair. Now, if we had shared a tuna sandwich with a couple of wieners in it, maybe we could make a make a case. Do a lady Just like in the Katie tramp insists she was home. With a tuna and wiener but sub? we can't know. Add to that the fact that we can't even know it's homicide at all. That's it. Keith, I propose. We, said, we already said that the season-ending oopsies we would do in person. Right? Oh. Because it was during COVID. We said we were going to do season-ending oopsies in person. On camera... To celebrate the end of season six, Keith and I will be in person for the oopsies, and we will eat a hot dog with tuna on it. A tuna fish hot dog sub, because Keith made this stupid joke this week. That's what we're doing. Why do, why do we both get punished? <laughs> You've certainly because we have to eat it like Lady in the Tramp. Reasonable doubt. <laughs> haven't, haven't our audience Our detective, you know. Our 99.9% of our audience our just barked in their mouth, but somebody out there went, yeah. All of them were unequivocal in their consensus. This was a homicide. There was no gunshot residue on the victim's hands. The trajectory shows that he was shot from above, from slightly behind, which is totally inconsistent with yeah, suicide. I'd be pushing the lack of Bernard GSR Potter pretty hard. Bernard Potter was murdered. A lot more it's lot obvious, harder than that. and the defense knows it. That's why they resorted to that ridiculous last-second cloak-and-dagger stunt of getting Mr. Potter's secretary to dress up in the courtroom. True, we did not know of Miss Farrell's affair with the victim, but she is not a suspect in this case. Mr. Donald is throwing her up as a red herring because he struck out on the suicide pitch. The evidence here is overwhelming. Mr. Foe had motive. She had been acting urgently, frantically, showing up at the victim's office, desperately trying to continue the relationship. Her hair samples place her at the scene. She had an elevator access key. She knew how to get in and get out. And what of the overcoat? Where did it go? She just happened to throw it away around the time of the murder? Like she just happened to take shooting lessons three weeks before the murder. A woman bearing her resemblance just happens to be leaving the building Which, three minutes fair, after the shooting. She took shooting lessons, but as we found out, he was murdered with the gun literally touching his head. I don't know how many lessons you need for that. Sorry, uh, I was making some notes. <clears throat> By the way, I'm loving this clothes. He's, his intensity is appreciated, especially... No. To juxtapose the fucking camp. Of He's the only person who's been making sense all episode. <laughs> Wearing a coat, just like one owned by the defendant, which coat just happens to get thrown away that very week. Come on. Exactly. Come That's on. just a few too many coincidences. Don't you think? Mm, just a little too ironic. Yeah, I really do fucking Katie, think. Remember when I said my objectivity? It's okay, Bobby. Bobby. I'm afraid I may Bobby. have blown it. By suddenly pointing my finger at the secretary, I'm worried I may have sent a message to the jury. You I think you might have fucked up, Bobby? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Bobby. Stop touching her. You tried an incredible case. You got every one of their witnesses to admit it could be suicide. Plus, you offered another possible scenario if the jury is determined to conclude homicide. 
trust in you at all. Jimmy is like, I don't want to be on this case anymore. Let's not get too high and mighty, though, Jimmy. I mean, you did steal 50 large. You did. Madam Foreperson, the jury has reached a unanimous verdict. Lindsay's there. Lindsay's just standing by the coat What say you? In the matter of Commonwealth of Massachusetts versus Catherine Defoe on the charge of murder in the first degree. Don't take her ahead, you dumbass. the jury find the defendant, Catherine Defoe, guilty. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are dismissed with the thanks of the court. We are adjourned. <laughs> oh, now Lindsay is watching them like, oh. Good lord. I mean... I mean, I get you're, like, comforting your client, but if that's the first time they touched, it wouldn't be that big. But you don't stroke the back of a client's head. Your wife is standing there. Jimmy's already got his suspicions. You know better. You know your wife already suspects. And... (sighs) Bobby. Bobby. This was, like, 45 minutes of Bobby making every decision Bobby wouldn't have, or any rational human being wouldn't have made. That's right. Those are two very different (laughs) statements. Bye. Bitch, you killed that guy. And remember, all along, could have bled her out. Could have what? Now the the long look. Bobby to Lindsay. Lindsay to Bobby. Yeah, Bobby, way to tell your wife, oh, yeah, I definitely wanted to bang that chick with your eyes. Now Bobby's drinking out of a very, very tiny coffee cup. It's true. Where his giant hands. Lindsay's uncomfortable. You think? Here it comes. Three, two, Are you in love with her, Bobby? Bang! There it is. I'm not accusing you of being unfaithful. Instantly say no. I trust you completely. It's just a... Should you, though? Sometimes people fall in love whether they want to or not. Beautiful shot with the out-of-focus lights behind that, though. She's so good. Kelly Williams is so good. Made me feel protective. Disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> so does everyone watching. Woof. Once again, like, uh, we'll talk about it. Would you be upset if I said I didn't want you handling her appeal? Would you be upset if I said I had to? Yeah. Yes. 
Okay, then. I won't. There's just something about her, Bobby. I just yeah, don't... The, my husband desperately, her. desperately wants to bang her. That's that, then. The mics weren't great for this scene. Because they're under those coats. I love you. Yeah, it's I funny they didn't too. ADR it. Though I don't feel like saying it tonight. You go, girl. Sort of. Come on, let's go on. Oh, still more B-roll. Didn't, didn't fade to black. What is this scene now? We're all kinds of B-roll. Up. Oh. oh shit, Keith. She's George Vogelman. And she's got on the trench coat. And she's got on the face that says I killed my husband and got Bobby's lover in jail. But we're not going to explain why we didn't, why she, how did she, was the, the wheelchair a ruse all along? Apparently. There was no, act. How, there's no evidence of that accident. That doesn't make any sense. That's just like a thing. That's just a thing to do the thing. It's a thing to Come do on. the thing. <sighs> all right. I have got some bones to pick. Uh, Keith's let's got pick some, some wiener sandwiches camera. to talk and we'll, we'll be back for the oopsies in just a goddamn second. And we are... Back, baby. Slightly against our will. Fish cam. <laughs> Fish cam. Oh boy. Oh boy. We uh we just watched that episode. And that episode was entitled Dangerous Liaisons. Oh, uh, uh perhaps it have you had you seen the episode before, you might have uh, spared yourself, but we spare you nothing in a segment called Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Lindsay's pissed. You should be pissed as a viewer. Bobby's like, for no reason, super into this uh, murder lady who turns out isn't a murder lady. So Bobby was just into some chick who was having an affair with some married guy, which is always a great trait you're looking for in a mistress. Mm. Uh, also, Brilliant. some old lady got raped and she decides not to finger the guy in a lineup, but instead just shoots him in the face because that was a good idea by the cops. And yeah, that about sums it up. Yeah, I, I've never seen you come in under 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> there was, uh, it was a pretty uh, easy one. Yeah, well, uh, you know what else will be easy? Easy on our ears. A segment called... Bobby is thirsty. Forgiveness by way of death. The sharks are jumpy. Excellent. What? <laughs> I like that you pop up now. <laughs> oh, that was excellent. Your high coopsies are, are really quite good. I didn't. Yeah, a lot of skills you didn't know I had, Keith. Hosting game shows no one watches and uh -huh. poetry. Well, you know, I certainly know you can host a podcast nobody watches. So I, I mean, it's, it makes sense. That's uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's hand out some awards that may or may not be deserved in a segment we call. Ladies and gentlemen, 
the Out of Practice podcast in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Hmm. Well, Jackie, they're an award show that ends every episode <laughs> that begins. We haven't done this in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Even though I'm in the basement, the sun is, is at like the absolute perfect level, heading straight through the window well, directly into my face. It looks like you're being absolutely cooked alive. You can't see me. I can't see you. But we're still going to hand out... This is, however... A pretty fair approximation of actually how white I am in real life. This just in, Bobby does not win, all right? <laughs> you could argue that Jimmy is a pretty good lawyer here as he just keeps trying to like be the voice of reason. He does even pulls out some theatrics by having the lady wheel in and then he's like calling Lindsay up, he's but he can't get he can't reel Bobby in. But here's the thing. <clears throat> The stunt Bobby pulled in court by making that by presenting the, his best shot at reasonable doubt uh-huh. was well countered by the new district attorney in his incredible clothes, which mm-hmm. I think both was to the point, was uh, beat by beat refuted everything Bobby had presented, and I think was the reason that. Uh, he got his conviction. Now, we learn in a bizarre twist, unnecessary George Vogelman-esque thing at the end that it wasn't her, but the episode is stronger if it was her, I think. But regardless, the conviction was gotten. And so our new district attorney, whose name, I don't know, I can't say I've forgotten because I never knew it, he wins (laughs) his first oopsie. (laughs) ADA Kenneth Walsh. Uh, Yeah, no, you're, you're entirely correct. Um, I thought he was the only competent lawyer in the room Ooh. and uh, did uh, did a very good job getting the conviction, you know, and, and again, with the absurd twist at the end, uh, we have, we've only had eight episodes and I think 15 people have gone to jail who we know didn't do it <laughs> so far this season. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I, I think it's... Uh, it's very clearly our good friend, ADA, Kenneth Walsh. Congratulations on your MBL. I'm reaching for my mouse, but I can't see anything in front Wait, of me. Wait, hold on. Right let, me, let me see if I can't if I can't at least match you. Ready? Uh-huh. Oh, there you go. You, you got a long way to go. Those uh, LED lights are not quite the sun. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Uh, definitely right. more efficient, though. More efficient, some would say. Definitely. Definitely. All right, let's continue with. Oh shit! Already famous because you've been on TV. Keith, it's like we're power walking. I didn't even stretch. Way to go! But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. 
You know, when I do that dance, I stare at myself like I'm at watching the mirror in a non-equity open dance call. Just, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm matching Mike exactly right because it, because that matters. This one time I was at a, a dance call, uh, it was not not equity. It happened to be. This makes it more embarrassing. It was for the Broadway company of Jersey Boys, and <clears throat> um, Danny, the assistant choreographer, calls me up and he goes, "Hey, he goes." Listen, uh, is there a reason why your eyes are crossed? <laughs> oh my god! Because I had worn my glasses to the audition, but for the dance call, I took my glasses off. I didn't think I needed my contacts because I had seen the combo before. I knew, but I—I I think I've mentioned on the pod before. On, a, on occasion, if I'm not wearing my contacts and my glasses are off, my eyes get lazy and they cross. And he's like, you're presenting, you're presenting an audition, and you're getting pretty far, as I usually did, and my eyes were crossed like an asshole. So, there's a there's a story Ooh, that you'll you never forget. You just made me do a a, a real <laughs> literal spit take. <laughs> Listen, wow. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you here. I found our our uh, Black Widow esque character to be. Nothing away, taking away from the actress. I just found that they didn't give her... She was written paper thin, and it's hard to bring too much dimensionality to that. The character who I thought jumped off the page, even with the camp that was her... the the conclusion of her arc, was uh, the, vic, the rape victim. Uh, Eve Brenner. Yeah, I thought that she... Especially in that scene, um, even her her Dirty Harry line was pretty good. It was The delivery was as grounded as it could be. And I thought that the scene it, at the police station and basically every scene she was in, she she did her darndest. Uh, so I thought that uh, of all the performances, that was the one that I wanted to at least uh, to recognize here at the Oopsies. Yeah, well, I mean, and your description of uh, Katie Defoe's the, the, the characters Gabrielle Anwar's character uh, as being paper thin was a hundred percent, and also applies to Eve Brenner's character. Yes, frankly, and mm -hmm. the whole thing was just tissue paper thin. And she, I, I've got to imagine, like she's like, "Oh, I just booked the practice. It's amazing. They won like a thousand Emmys." And then she reads the script and like, "Wait, I do, I do what?" It was uh, she. She was great. But man, she was not given uh, good material to work with. Uh, but nonetheless, congratulations to not only that, but, Eve but, Brenner. But when you when she got her agent got, gave her that call, you know she's like, "Well, what have people in my age range done on that show?" And you look at some of the tour de force characters that people that oh, some more Bayo Richards, yeah. yeah. So you're like, like "Oh, I can't oh wait God. to see," or like a victim's mom. Like I get to really bring it and. Oh, and I'm playing. Okay, I'm a victim, and and I get justice. Okay, great. Let's read the read between the lines. Great. Like, I'm sure oh, there's shit. a terribly heartbreaking, beautiful or like compelling story that that character would go through. Nope. Let's not forget the end. Of, oh, we'll get to it. In the we'll get we'll get to it. I got. I got. Well, that's what not happened. That's not what. Oof. That's what not happened, guys. That's what not happened. Okay, it's time to move forward to. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show
I, I'm, it's tough for me here because, yes, it's Dylan's episode for sure. However, he suffers the same fate as everyone. I just, the Bobby, how Bobby was written here was just so, Bobby makes every wrong decision, almost every wrong decision. With and no because, explanation for it. No explanation, really. And he's, we know he's smarter than that. And in, and even a great actor can't, sometimes can't overcome that. And I don't think Dylan did here. And so, and Jimmy was given sort of just like a, oh, shucks, kind of, what am I going to, he tries to, but it's not, there's no acting really there taking place. No, it just sort of I think that, once again, uh, the district attorney played by. Oh, no, he can't be best actor. He's a guest actor. He's really? a frequent guest, but he's not on. Oh, okay. He's not on the main credits. Well, okay, great. <clears throat> that makes it easy. I thought he he gave a great performance, and I I think even though not featured as much, I think Kelly Williams is absolutely stellar in this episode. Her, uh, though, I hate the trope of oh the it's you, the crazy wife. You know what I mean? Seeing that from this angle, where we know she's not the crazy wife. Going through those those conflicted feelings of I I want to you're my husband and I've sw- I trust you and I love you but I'm having these feelings and I need to communicate them and I'm conflicted about them awesome that look she gave in the very top of the episode when the ba- when the la- other lady's holding the baby I thought was excellent her in the courtroom excellent everything she does is always excellent to the point where sometimes you you forget even in a couple of pages she has here that that she's as good as she is and so I, I think that. Judging with all the performances from the episode and who's eligible, I think Kelly Williams wins. No, you are 100% right. And I think that Kelly Williams here, I hate the way her character was written in this. And we'll talk about it a little bit more, but like the sort of her character is written as a, as, a, as a doormat in this thing. And she sticks up for herself a little bit, but like, uh, no. <laughs> she's absolutely written as a doormat. So Kelly Williams acting was way better than the writing she was given to act. Yeah, and sort of the so, flip of everything else. Yeah, so I thought she did an excellent job like polishing that turd as much as humanly possible. Uh, so congratulations, Kelly Williams, on your best actor. Oopsie. Coming up next, another person who annoys and disappoints me. Every single time I see him. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. I couldn't tell you what last week was. I, I have no concept of where we are. Identifying in the, the body, Brady. Identifying the body, Brady. Great one. You didn't Which I haven't posted it, it yet, but you're going <laughs> to lie. Did you, did you see Subshop Brady? Subshop Brady was good. That was a good yeah. one. For this one, Keith, I'll make it easy on you. I want to see baby Brady being held by the other woman. Brady. <laughs> so basically just screenshot that one clip and put mm-hmm. Brady's face on it. You know what I'm saying? Great, great. Okay. Baby Brady being held by Bobby's mistress. <laughs> Tom Brady wins the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Okay, buckle up, kids. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Guys, I did not like this. Uh, if I'm being straight up and down with you, I thought it was. We've had such a run of good episodes, especially coming off last week with that emotional ending where Keith and I are weeping. And then this week, we not only do we 
we we started off with sort of a beat we've had before where Bobby's with the Black Widow type lady and she's exotic and he's got a thing for her maybe. Uh, this time it's a little more explicit, I suppose, but it's still touchy and feely. And then he continues to just make bonehead decision after bonehead decision. The writing is like terrible. It frames Lindsay in a weird light, even though she's not the one at fault here. It it goes against all the sort of stuff we've built. We've built a very much more responsible Bobby over the past few weeks. He's a good leader. He's a good friend. And here he puts Jimmy in a bizarre situation. He puts the firm in a bizarre situation. The client in a bad situation. His wife. Everything wrong. Which uh, just, and it's not, it's just bad writing. It's just bad writing. Uh, I, I don't know how else to say it. And it's, it, it, it hurts my heart that it's David E. Kelly, but it is what it is. Okay, so let's go to the other beat. We've established Lindsay as this rape counselor, and, and we've loved where that's gone. We've loved everything they've done with it. So let's give her a really, and then we see that it's a senior woman, and, and what an interesting kind of story we could tell with this. This is something new we haven't dealt with in this light. So, but then now let's make it a revenge tale. Let's concoct some bizarre scheme where we're going to Chris Hansen this guy, but then she's going to shoot him in the head. And we're not even going to go with it far enough to like make it do the, the special effects right. Or we're just going to cap the beat with a weird, dirty Harry line. Ah, you know, take that, you son of a bitch. I bet you should have got your confession. And we're all just going to stand there. Let's talk about the trauma that would have caused the lady. Let's talk about the trauma that would have caused Lucy. Let's Nothing is addressed. It's just like, B-story aside. And then the whole trial aspect that we shouldn't have, we should have pled out in the very beginning. We got some we got some Harlem Bassett-esque theatrics Bobby's pulling that is all for naught. It, it's just, it let me down. It let me down. And I'm disappointed. I've been given a solid run of eights and nines here, and I have to, I have to call it when it's not good. This was subpar. This doesn't even make a five. I'm giving it four point. 2-1 spare tires. And uh, that's the way I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was so funny because I noted this episode while we were having our roof done. And so there was so much banging going on upstairs. I'm, you know, watching it here in the basement that Jillian came down to work here in the basement as well. So, and she hasn't watched any of the episodes. And so she's, you know, working on her laptop and having to listen to this episode. And I was like, it's not normally like this. I'm so sorry. Like, I swear this is better. But this episode is a sloppy cheese ball mess. Mm. It's it's just not a good episode. And and there's so many different layers of not being good. Start starting off with the really abrupt storytelling. It's similar to Jimmy having this giant gambling addiction. Just Instantly, out of nowhere, with no setup for it, no pretense, we find out that they've been working with this woman for months. We've never seen her before. We haven't seen the progression of this relationship. And so at the downbeat of the episode, here we are, and Bobby is this slobbering mess over this woman. It's, it was, it's just so weird and abrupt. Also, like this entire episode is a leftover tuna sub. Because we have two, two stories here. 
We've seen both of them already. Bobby is in love with the woman he's he's defending for murder. Already did that. Done. We have the rape victim going crazy and pulling a gun. We saw Lindsay go through that. In Guns, Lies, and Monkeys. So, or Sex, Lies, and Monkeys. Whatever it is. Point being, this is... We've already done these and they were bad the first time. Uh, and, you know, with the, with, the, with the rape case, again, this is, it's the same thing that happened with Lindsay's thing, where you, you take something so serious and so dramatic and so real and you make it silly. The outcome of, of this of this case of this of this woman's trauma is this ridiculous silly tossed off ending that that was it was all it, it, it was so silly and and overdone and cheesy and then at the end we have the reveal about the wife who was in the wheelchair and she can walk and you so you oh, have yeah, not forgot about one, that bullshit but too. two of the cheesy like practice tropes, trick ending, whatever. Surprise, we got you. It was just, it was just not good. It, it was it, like, this is this is what you'd expect a, a spec script to show up at David E. Kelly's office, and it's like, oh, this is like a high school writer. Like, oh, he's sort of like found up with an interesting plot here, but like, this is not, this is not up to snuff. David E. Kelly would not have been hired on his own show. If this was the script that he put together. And I understand, look, I have written terrible scripts. I have written gobs of things worse than this. Thousand times worse. So, like, everybody is capable of writing a turd like this. So, like, seriously, no shade. I get it. I've, <laughs> I've done it. I have I have uh I have crapped out more worse things than this than he'll ever write. But it's just, it's just not good, and it does your show a disservice. Every I said this a while. I think it was last season. There was an episode where you did all of your characters a disservice, right? The character of Bobby is wounded by this. The seriousness of Lucy's job as a race as as a rape counselor is weakened by this. You treat Lindsay like a doormat again. Why is she with this guy? Like she, like, you know, and, and, and frankly, you know, their chemistry has never been really that strong, but, and like, and this is a story you can, you can tell, you can tell the story of, okay, so let, let's say he has an affair and that, and they have to go through that. Fine. That's not why I come to the practice, but that's a perfectly valid story. So tell that story well. Or there's something about her, what Bobby's excuse at the end is, there's something about her that makes me feel protective. That's, that would have been enough. They could have well, developed a friendship over that. Like, they didn't need to make that bullshit. You know what I mean? And, well, and it didn't need. And, and if you had told that story over a couple of episodes, and so we saw that develop in a way that was realistic and made sense, as opposed to just like, just trust us, and we're just going to drop this in as if, as if David E. Kelly hadn't seen the rest of the of the season. Oh, I want. <laughs> I, I I don't want to interrupt your train yeah, of thought, yeah. but you brought it up before I forget. I feel like that ending was 
like his attempt, like he recognized that it was kind of a shitty script and was like, well, let me see if I can just pull a rabbit out of a hat at the end, go back to the well with the George Volgeman reveal, and like maybe that'll be enough to put it over the top. I felt like it hurt the episode because it's so unearned and uninteresting. Yeah. It's more interesting if she is guilty and goes to prison, right? right. It's like Bobby no, lost. No, for sure. I, I just, I don't know. But and 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 because he already uh, like pulled the rabbit out with the surprise murder, like they're just like, they're just like like dead rabbits flopping all over the ground right now, and like it's entirely like jumpy. adding another one isn't going to help. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, anyway, uh, that's. Whew, I knew I was going to light this one up. I this was not as bad as Sex Lies and Monkeys, which was more offensive. Mm. than than this one this one was just sloppy and i'm not cheesy. mad i'm just i'm just disappointed i'm just Maybe disappointed I'm just disappointed I, I was mad after sex lies and monkeys this one i'm just disappointed uh but you don't get a lot of tires in fact i'm not even going to give you a full car's worth of tires you get 3.51 tires that's all you get it's okay, not a good well, episode there you have it let's let's talk about some things real quick uh I'm guessing that's just for the walking. Walking them, shoes. You, them, your walking shoes. Yeah. All right. Them's some walking shoes. Plus, the, right. the time. Hold on. The timeline they established is also she got into the accident, was crippled. That's why he wanted to commit suicide. Right. R- why? Well, the, the, clearly, well, he never commits suicide. Cl- c- clearly. Clearly. Hold on. Hold on. The the ending's worse than I thought. Clearly we're on the stand, right? Okay. If 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 the defense's whole argument, whole whole case is basically he he committed suicide because he felt so guilty that he he broke her legs. Right. Then you would assume that in due diligence the district attorney's office would get a doctor to confirm that she did indeed lose the use of her legs. Right? If that's their whole case is predicated on that, someone would do the dude would figure out, oh yeah, she is crippled. That's not bullshit. That someone did that legwork. Well, but that was the defense's case, not the prosecution's I know. case. Exactly. So you'd want to refute that case. So you would have we'd we'd check up on make let's make sure that the accident happened as was said and that she is injured and all that took place. Yeah. It's well, it's it's bullshit. In fact, I want to take another tire off. I don't know if we even if you even update that page anymore, but <laughs> I should someday. Whatever I said, one tire less. Three point, whatever. It's low as it is. It was some bullshit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, folks, you have listened through us being annoyed at this episode of The Practice. If you would like to join the conversation, let us know what you thought. Was it as bad as we said? Was it better than we said? Who knows? Was it worse? You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. You can also do us a giant favor. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting service of your choice. We will very much appreciate it. Uh, Give us three and a half tires. I don't care. You still get to join the jury. Speaking of people we appreciate, this episode of the Out of Practice Podcast is brought to you by generous donations from our founding sponsors, Jorge Navoa, CloudLover69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Did you know you can be one of those people? Give us money, a one-time donation, or a monthly contribution. It does help us with the stuff we do, including 
Where's it at? Don't forget, our good buddy Fish Cam is part of the situation. All right, you can you can help <laughs> us afford Fish Cam. If not, start watching this episode halfway through. Turn it off because you hate it. Watch our other show where we talk about Star Trek toys and fire off. So set your phasers to laser sounds. Laser sounds. All right. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it.